everyone. This is Bev Marshall here, and I've had the honor and privilege of being married to Drew Marshall for almost 20 years. 12 of the best years of my life. Have you ever noticed just how sensitive of a man he is? I was crying with him when he was crying because... Hey, we, hold on, hold on. We were crying. We're men here. <laughs> he may not know how to fix stuff around the house, but at least he knows women's fashion. Is it the way women are dressing? I, mean, I know I'm going to be labeled sexist by even suggesting this. We can wear whatever we want. Well, i got to tell you, there's a lot of skimpy-looking stuff out there. I know he thinks he's Dr. Phil and genuinely seems like he understands us women. Women seem to be driven more by emotions than men do, and men tend to be a little bit more analytical. And I'm not a sexist jerk, so don't write me emails saying I, I hate women or something like that. Don't worry, ladies. I've trained him well. Driving, turning your radio down, and talking on the phone. You must be a woman, because a guy couldn't do all that. So if you're looking for sound professional guidance, well, there's always the guests he interviews. Tune in Saturdays between 1 and 5 for The Drew Marshall Show, right here on Joy 1250. Delilah, what's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk back program. I swear it's true. Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance. I'm right there if you get lonely. Give this song another listen. Close your eyes. Well, with an estimated 7 million listeners, Love Songs with Delilah, or Delilah After Dark, has become one of the top three radio programs across North America, rivaling the likes of our good friend John Tesh. And Delilah openly mentions uh, this born-again Christian stuff, but she also openly admits that she struggles to live like one, which would put her in the rest of the camp with us, you know, us, us normal folks. This is a one-of-a-kind woman, and she uh, doles out relationship advice between musical requests and describes herself as the queen of sappy love songs. Today she joins us on the Drew Marshall Show. Thank you so much, you busy woman, you. Well, thank you, Drew. I love the fact that you got my little song playing there. I, I searched high and low for that thing. My son, you know, he's cool, and he's got the cool tunes, and... And he gave that to me. And that is such a cool song. It is a very, very cool song. What's going on? What are you in the middle of? Um, what am I? I just made grilled cheese sandwiches for the kids, and I <laughs> stole the phone and snuck upstairs so it would be somewhat quiet while we talk. Listen, live radio, anything can happen, right? And anything does happen at this household, let me tell you. Now, before <laughs> before being named the queen of sappy love songs, you've been a news reporter, traffic reporter, jazz DJ, and, quote, been fired so many times I could give Donald Trump some new lines to use on his show. Yeah, well, that was back in the day, you know. That, Luckily, thank God, praise God, those things don't happen so much anymore. But, yeah, I, I was in radio 10 years before I started this show, and then I've been doing this show for 23 years last September. So. Boy, I don't understand this, this fired stuff. That I've never been, well, actually, I have been fired a few times, but not in radio, Uh what do you? What kind of stuff did you get fired for? Oh, what kind of stuff didn't I get fired for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the average duration of a disc jockey uh, is only eighteen months. Wow. Um, format changes, music changes, run-ins with program directors. There was the time I dated the general manager's son. That was probably not yeah. a very good idea. No. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. There was the time that I was a traffic reporter and I got a couple of tickets in the traffic car and thought I would hide that little fact from the station and it kind of caught up with me. Oh, my goodness. You know, darn it. I hate when that happens. I hate it when that happens. But apparently, apparently, Delilah, you are the queen not only of sappy love songs, but you're the queen of practical jokes as well. So I want you to tell me. Tell me what this particular song reminds you of right now. You ready? Have a listen. Does that ring any bells to you at all as far as the whole world of practical jokes? None. We're talking Crocodile Rock here, right? (laughs) Come on. How did you know about that? I've got more dirt on you than you need to concern yourself with. Oh, my word. It was just a small crocodile thing, (laughs) alligator. Fred needed it in his office. Yeah. So laid out, The Alligator and the Accountant. Sounds like a lovely children's book, actually. Well, Fred, my accountant, who has who is a bigger practical joker than I am, um, I just felt he needed some teeth in his business. You know, he wasn't being ferocious enough. He wasn't really taking a bite out of life. And this is bad. And so I arranged for somebody to perhaps dress as a delivery person and show up at his office with a five foot alligator <laughs> and drop it off. You are a sick woman, you know that? You know, his wife said the same thing. Yeah. She wasn't amused. I can imagine. Yeah, we call we call his wife Deb the redhead. She's got flaming red hair that doesn't come from a bottle. <laughs> and she was she was not amused. Not happy. Not happy. No, cuz he brought the alligator home. Apparently you painted 52 bowling balls and then used a friend's Federal Express account to mail them at Christmas. It was Valentine's. Oh, Valentine's. It was Valentine's and first That's much off, better. First off, the bowling balls. <laughs> I was moving. I had to leave a city because I got fired, and and I had a brand new baby. Right. You know, just like days old, and so some of my friends, my generous friends, including the accountant you just heard about, Freddie, mm-hmm. volunteered to come and help me pack boxes. So here I am, you know, I have a week-old baby. I'm lying on the couch, and they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll pack these boxes. We'll help you. <laughs> So my friend Fred and my friend Donna packed up the boxes, and I paid a moving truck to come. And, you know, moving trucks charge you by the pound. Right. So I got my bill for moving because I had been fired. (laughs) And we moved to another city and had to stay at my in-laws' house. Ooh, that was a treat Mm. for a while until we could find a place to live, and we got a place to live. So the moving truck shows up on New Year's Day. Nice. In Boston, Massachusetts, where it's, oh, maybe 13 degrees below zero outside. (laughs) And I am nursing a three-month-old baby at this point. And so I have to go up and meet the moving truck and tell them, okay, that goes in the living room, that goes in the kitchen. There's no heat in the house. So I have to leave my new baby with my mother-in-law which is a whole story unto itself, <laughs> because my mother-in-law at the time didn't speak English. Oh, wow. So the baby is with Grandma Hilda, 
Hilda, who says, Lila, Lila, you must feed her the rice. No, Hilda, you can't feed her rice. She's three months old. Yes, she needs the rice and the beans. No, Hilda, she doesn't need rice and beans. She just needs mommy milk. Just hold her for me. So I go up to direct the moving truck, and they're, they've got all these boxes I've never seen before. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. So they open it up, and it's like four bowling balls. So I'm livid. I'm like, when did my husband, who's now my ex-husband, but when did Doug take up bowling? He's never bowled before. Not with you, he hasn't. Yeah, not with me, he hasn't. He's got four bowling balls. Then they open up my son's chester drawers, which weighs like 5,000 pounds, and there's two bowling balls in the bottom of my son's chester drawers. I'm like, what the heck? (laughs) And, you know, ten bowling balls later, ding, 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 the light comes on, and I'm like, Fred! Fifty-two bowling balls later, they had gone to a bowling alley and sweet-talked the owner into giving them all the abandoned bowling balls. Wow. So I ended up with 52 bowling balls in my house. And what did you do with those bowling balls, Delilah? Well, I was just going to, (laughs) to donate them back to some worthy cause when all of a sudden I got an inspiration. Yes. In the middle of the night. And so I got out my paints, because I'm an artist, and I painted the bowling balls. And I painted little Valentine's greetings on them, because after Aww. all, it was Valentine's week. And they said things like um, Darlene Daggett, who ran QVC at the time, that home shopping right, right, right. network thing. No sense of humor whatsoever. <laughs> Woman's a multimillionaire. So I painted one that says, Darlene, you don't have to shop around. Be my Valentine. Aww. And I put a little QVC logo on it. That's special. Isn't that special? You're a caring, caring person, aren't you? Very. <laughs> One for a guy that um, worked on Donna's antique car. Mm-hmm. I I put you auto be my Valentine, oh. and I drew a, a little red I, antique car on it. I'm just getting little... I'm getting warm and fuzzy here. Yeah. So then I call my friend Donna, and she says, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I was just making a couple of Valentine's presents." I I did one for my sister, but I'm so broke, I can't even send it to her. And she said, oh, Delilah, your sister shouldn't miss out on the Valentine's present that you made. I said, well, I, you know, I was fired. I've got no money. Yeah. here in the cold with my baby. You're a walking country song. And she says, oh, Delilah, your sister, what did you make her for Valentine's? I said, oh, I painted her a little Valentine's. Oh, she said, a hand-painted greeting. You must send it to her here. Let me give you my FedEx number. <laughs> And I said, no, 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 Donna, you really, I couldn't do that. She says, sure, go ahead. In fact, if you FedEx it overnight, she'll get it the day before Valentine's. Oh. I said, Donna, that's, that's too big of you. I, I couldn't accept that <laughs> as I'm frantically writing down her FedEx number. <laughs> so I packaged them up in little boxes. F- like 52, seriously? Like 52. Several thousand dollars later. <laughs> FedEx shows up, they're like, you want us to take all these? These are heavy. I said, I know, they're 12 pounds each. <laughs> Medium size, big holes. Oh, so you're a funny so girl. The, the curator of the art museum where the famous artist Andy Wyeth displays his Helga paintings. Yes. Got one that says, you art to be my Valentine. Oh. Yeah. You know, but people, uh, the odd time, I understand, people get you back. Oh, they've tried. Oh, trust me, this is this, these practical joke wars have been going on for decades. Have they? Now. 
But oh, yeah. The worst being maybe 12 quarts of seaweed soup? 21. 20? Come on. 21 quarts of seaweed soup sent to my hotel room in New York City. <laughs> I'm in New York City. Nobody knows where I am. I've just done an appearance for the radio station there. I come back to my hotel room. I open the hotel room, and I am met with the nastiest stench I have ever smelled in my adult life. 21 quarts of seaweed soup had been sent to my room. That's disgusting. If you're going to send me Chinese food, at least send something good. <laughs> i got to tell you that Sarah Dorman at this very moment is forming a league of extraordinary women to come up with the ultimate practical joke on you. <laughs> well, probably the funniest they did was after the after the bowling balls before the alligator... Was there chickens involved in this story? Oh, there was a chicken one, but this was a good one. They took an ad out in the newspaper <laughs> that said, Big, huge garage sale, early bird special, the earlier the better, 7 a.m., and they put my address on there. <laughs> but what they didn't know is that our church was having a garage sale that very weekend. Oh, come on. And not at my house, yeah. but after like the third person showing up, I'm like... I don't know how my address got connected with the church garage sale, but I just put a huge <laughs> sign on the front yard. Go to the church. It said, you know, here's the church yeah. address. Do not pass go. Go directly to the church. And then about an hour later, two hours later, I mosey up there. And, man, there are throngs of people at the church. <laughs> and the pastor's wife comes over and says, Delilah, that was so nice of you to take the ad out in the newspaper. Oh, man. I said, I didn't take any ad out in the newspaper. She said, yes, you did. There's an ad saying you're having a multifamily garage sale, early bird special, the earlier the better. <laughs> she says most of these people here got, saw the ad. <sighs> I made hundreds of dollars off old crap that day. That's beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. God works in mysterious ways. He does, and he loves practical jokes. Yeah. Well, he made he, me. That'd be proof really right there. He invented the aardvark. Did he not make D the he aardvark? Did. He did. And Benny Hinn is one of the top evangelists, so, you know. <laughs> Go figure. I don't know. Something to make your head go to one side for sure. Well, at least, I mean, Delilah, at least you're able to use your artistic uh, abilities there. It, unlike some other giftings that you maybe weren't uh, bequeathed, I understand your father led a country western band and your brother was part of a jazz band and that you sing like a dead horse. Is that true? Have I have I hurt your feelings? I think you've hurt the dead horse's feelings. <laughs> dead horse sings better than you? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, when the wind goes out of their lungs when yeah. they're taking their last dying breath, it's yeah. actually... That sounds better than you're saying. I'm the only one in my family that got no musical talent. That's unbelievable. And what's funny is I write songs and I sing and I sing at the top of my lungs all the time. Right. And I just, I don't understand why people aren't lining up to... Yeah. Uh, are you, would you say you're more like your dad or, or Wilma, your mom? Um... I'm a little bit like both of them. Are you? Yeah. My mom was big, over six foot tall. Wow. And loud. Are you over six foot? I'm 5'10". Nice. I'm the shortest in the family. Oh, my goodness. Have you always been directionally challenged? How, how do you know this stuff? You know, it's got to be really embarrassing when you're asking complete strangers to help you find your car in your parking lot and... You realize the car that you've been looking for wasn't the car you were actually driving? That's bad. It's really bad. 
Especially since I've been saying, you know, I'm like, I know it was right here. I know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I go, Shh. shoot. 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 Yes. Um, the silver blazer we're looking for. <laughs> Isn't here today, folks. <laughs> The uh, thing is, it's kind of a party, you know. Yeah. You just gotta. When you're as directionally challenged as I am, and you get lost as much as I do, you know the folks I have OnStar in my car now. You're good friends have you ever with them. Used OnStar. You're good friends with them. A frequent flyer, I hear. <laughs> I called them. They're like, "What did you do now? Lock your keys out of your car, or are you lost again?" Oh man. Well, there is just so much humor behind you, your life, your story. I mean, your maiden name was Luke. Please tell the world your brother's name. My brother's name, my older brother, who was 16 months older than me. Mind you, we were not raised in a church. My brother's name was Matthew Mark Luke. (laughs) And when my little brother was born, my father named him John. Mm Mm-hmm. My mother got up off the hospital bed, made her way to the front desk, changed it on the birth certificate, crossed out John and put Timothy, made her way back to the bed but was afraid to tell my father. Oh, my goodness. So for the first week of my brother's life, he didn't know who the hell he was. (laughs) Because my dad was calling him Little John, and everybody else was looking at the thing that they had put in the bassinet that says Timothy. All right. They're like, um, are you going to tell the father that that's the... <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But, uh, Delilah, you're... it's not all laughs and giggles, unlike the last 15 minutes of this, of this interview. Horrifically, you have had to go through losing a brother as well. Matthew Mark Luke is now with God. A plane accident, was it? Yep. What, what happened? Um... He was an officer in the Air Force, um, and he and his wife, Anne. Well, first you have to back up and understand that when I, I chose to marry my first husband, um, my, my family disowned me. They weren't very um, progressively minded. Right. And had a little problem with the fact that my husband was black. Okay. So my family, except for my brother, disowned me. And my brother stood by my side, literally and figuratively, gave me away the wedding. And a year later, he and his wife were flying north from California to meet my son, their new godson. Hmm. And their plane disappeared in a storm. And it was actually several years before we found the wreckage. Wow. So those were pretty dark days. Did your brother's death have any effect on you spiritually at all? Uh, Well, my brother, as I said, we were not raised in the church, but come on, with a name like Matthew Mark Luke, you've got to do a little spiritual (laughs) soul-searching. And when he met my sister-in-law, his wife, they were going to college together, and um, the truth of the matter is she um, had a bodacious figure. Right. The the girl was stacked. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Matt was 17. Right. And so Matt, you know, they were in band together. They were jazz musicians. And he said, you know, I'd like to take you out. And Ann said, I can't go out with you. And he said, why? And she said, well, because I'm a Christian and I'm waiting, you know, for God to send me the right guy. And 
and uh, <laughs> I don't think that you would be him. And my brother said, well, where do I sign up? And, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was missionary dating. Missionary dating, yeah. And shortly thereafter, my brother became one of those right-wing fanatical people who claim that Jesus is the truth and the light and the way, and we all scoffed at him and laughed at him and mm-hmm. mocked him. Mm-hmm. And, Ooh, you're better than us. He said, no, I, I just know where I'm going when I die. <laughs> oh, you think you're a big man now? So he was quite the butt of the jokes of the family for that decision. And, um, and then after his disappearance, I kind of lost my mind, and my husband moved in with his girlfriend, and a series of really bad things happened over the course of the year, and I said, you know, I need a little help, God. If you exist, I kind of need to know that. And that really was the beginning of my spiritual journey. Wow. And God is faithful, and he said, I was wondering when you'd get around to asking for help. So now you're living a life of of spiritual perfection. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not. perfection, but I certainly understand the meaning of grace. You're messy. I'm sloppy, messy. My life is messy. My mistakes are messy. I hope to marry, have three children before my 30s, and then finish raising them by my 50s, but instead I married, had a baby, divorced, married, had two children, adopted a few children, divorced again, adopted a few more. Now I'll be raising kids until I'm in my 70s. That's yeah, you can thank your friend Sarah Dorman for that, too. That's that's uh not the divorce is the last Oh okay, I just let's clear that up. <laughs> that's she sends, she she calls me and says, "Do you know anyone looking to adopt a baby?" I said, "No, but tell me about him." And she said, "Well, I've got this little African American baby and um the mother's too young and can't raise him and has decided to place him for adoption." And I said, she said, "Are you interested?" I said, "No. You know, I I've, I've got a special needs son of my own I'm trying to take care of, but Send me the information and I'll, you know, pass it around at church. Ten days later, I'm completing a home study, and two weeks later, I'm taking custody of my youngest. I tried to count and to keep track and to catalog and uh, have some semblance of order as to the children, their ages, the grandchildren, and after 13 pages... You got lost. I said, forget it. Would you, would you like me to go through them? Please. Uh, I, I will go through them for you, Drew. Please. And then any of your listeners that can call back within five minutes and repeat them back verbatim. They get a prize? They get some kind of prize. Are you ready? All right. Okay, 27, Lanika Jane Wagner. She is my oldest. She is adopted. She has a daughter named Jayla Marie Wagner that I have adopted as a granddaughter. Jayla's five now? Jayla's five now. And then we start with the children that I've actually raised. Isaiah Eugene Harris is 23. He's a police officer. He's married and has a daughter named Nadia Jean. Emmanuel Demetrius Lee Davis Renee Ortega is 22. Tangenique Teresa Nikita Zyquel Tyson Sweet Renee Ortega is 21. She's six months pregnant. Trey Jerome Stephen Michael Tyson Sweet Renee Ortega is 19. He works for me and lives with his fiancée, Abigail. And they have a son, Nehemiah, who is Five months, almost six months. Shayla Maria Renee Ortega, 
Zachariah, Miguel, Rene Ortega, Shayla's 13, Zach is 8, and Thomas Carlton, Rene is my baby who's 7. Did I miss any? I don't think so. <laughs> don't, I wouldn't ask me that. I'm just, seriously, I got lost. <laughs> and you know what happens when I'm really angry with one of them? Yeah, they all get, I get lost. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need a GPS to discipline in your house. Exactly, because, you know, if you use the middle name, it's far more powerful. Yes, it is. You know, if you say, Isaiah Eugene Harris, get your butt in here and clean up this mess right this very minute. But when it's, Tangent Teresa Nikita's like Will Tyson Sweet Renee Ortega. It kind of loses a little it something loses, there. It loses, yeah. By the time I get to the end of the name, yeah. I'm just, um, I'm not mad anymore. No. Do you ever find yourself yelling? Bill Cosby does a routine on this, yelling at the ceiling of the house. You, you know, do you have an upper floor? Are you in a bungalow? What oh you, yeah. yeah. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, I'm constantly who? What is going on up there? <laughs> stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! I don't want anyone to touch anyone else for as long as they live. Do not, don't hit your brother. I didn't hit him. I pushed him. Don't push your brother. <laughs> he started it. I didn't ask who started it. No. Don't get your hands off your brother. Get your hands off <laughs> your brother. This very thing. <laughs> oh, what a life you lead. Why, why, why would you adopt so many children? What is it that, that made you do this? Well, you mentioned, you know, spiritual perfection. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I know I'm never going to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that God's word is God's word. And I do believe when he says this is true religion, to care for the orphans and the widows and their affliction, that he's not kidding. So if the only thing that God is going to judge my religion by is did I care for orphans and widows, did I care for people who can't care for themselves, He's not going to give a dang if I swear, which I do all the time. He's not going to give a dang if I contribute to the carpet fund at my church. He's not even going to give a dang, really, if I go to church on a regular basis, so long as I assemble with other believers and worship him in truth and in spirit, which I do every day. He is going to give a dang if I cared for the orphans and the widows. You know, it's tragic that we live in... Uh, a time where millions of people call themselves Christians, where millions of people associate with different Christian churches or fellowships, where millions of people will turn on Christian radio, and yet we've got hundreds of thousands of kids languishing in foster care who will never have a forever family. That's inexcusable. You're generous, you're loyal, and you're painfully loving. How many marriages? Three. So, Delilah, I mean, what is it about you and your baggage that makes you love so hard? Um, you know, I, I think I best heard it described by somebody who was talking about languages. And they said, if your native tongue is Greek or your native tongue is Spanish or your native tongue is something, you know, it, it's the language you're raised with. Right. The language you learn at your mother's knee. When you grow and leave home, even if you've learned to speak a second language, your dreams will be in your native language. Your comfort zone will be in your native language, and you will be drawn to those who speak your native language. So if your love language is a language of dysfunction and abuse and alcoholism, even if you learn a secondary language, your native language is going to be what you first learned at your mother's knee. And what I learned at my mother's knee and at my grandmother's knee was that you grow up and you fall in love with somebody who's not good to you. 
I repeated the pattern until I said, what am I doing? <laughs> you, um, you need to tell us about Winnie, Victor, Patricia, Tita, and Young Prince. Winifred Tickley um, was a... Uh, well, first off, I get lots of, just like you do, I get lots of emails at the radio station while I'm on the air. Because after I spend my day chasing kids and screaming... Stop hitting your brother, stop hitting your brother, do your homework, stop hitting your brother. I then go into the studio and do this little radio show thing. <laughs> and so one Christmas, four years ago, Christmas time, I got an email that says, I understand you're a white woman who adopts black children. Will you adopt my children? They're starving. Oh, are you kidding me? If not, have a great holiday, signed lovingly Winifred Tickley. And so I go to hit delete because, you know, I get these weird emails all the time from people saying, oh, my dear, if you deposit $12 million yes, in my yes, account. Yeah, yeah. And I, I went to hit delete, and then I went, what? What did that say? And I reread it, and I wrote back, who are you, and how did you get my email address? And so I began corresponding that night with a woman named Winifred Tickley, who lived in a refugee camp in Ghana, supposedly, and had custody of her three younger siblings, who had survived a horrific war in Liberia, and she was asking me if I would take custody of her siblings because they were starving to death. So this correspondence continued for a couple of days, and I didn't really know what to make of it or how to find out if it was a scam or anything. So I went home, and I went to bed, and I was laying in bed, went to sleep, woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning, sat up straight in my bed, just shot up straight to a full sitting upright position, and God laid on my heart... um, the name of a man who runs World Vision. And so I got up in the middle of the night and I wrote this gentleman, Rich Stearns is his name, an email and said, I forwarded him the correspondence between me and Winifred and I said, do you have an office in Ghana? Do you know anything about West Africa? Can you help me to find out if this woman is for real? And the next morning, about 8.30 in the morning, the phone rings and it's Rich Stearns. I'm like, whoa, that was cool. So he called me and he said, Delilah, this is so weird. He says, I have a gentleman standing in my office this very moment named Dr. Joe Riverson. And he put us on speakerphone. Dr. Joe is a native uh, Ghanaian who had actually worked in this very refugee camp at one time for two years and was intimately familiar with the war that had happened in Liberia. And so we spoke for a while and then he said, You know, I said, well, I want to help these people out if they're for real. And he said, well, you know, we have an office in Ghana just about 40 miles away. I can send somebody from the field to go to this place and find out if it's for real. So they did that, and I went down to Federal Way to where the head offices of um, World Vision are, and we had a meeting for about an hour, and I wrote a very generous check and said I would like to sponsor this family. I'd like to find them a place to live. I'd like to help them get food. I want to pay for their kids to get into school. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. And I stood up to leave, and one of the guys in the room said, well, you just helped six people, seven people in the camp. What are you going to do about the other 80,000? And I kind of chuckled, and I said, well, that's not my problem. They didn't write to me. (laughs) And I took about two steps out the door, and I felt like a two-before had just hit me on the backside of the head. And the Lord was like, that wasn't even funny. (laughs) And I went back in, and I had tears in my eyes, and I said, I can't believe I said that. I'm so sorry. 
I said, what can I do to help? And they said, well, why don't you go there and find out? I'm like, okay, you guys are smoking crack. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a single mom, and I have six kids living at home right now. I am not going to Africa. Why not? Well, because I have a job. Don't you have vacation? Well, yeah, but I've never actually left the United States. They said, what? I said, outside of Canada in the U.S., I've never traveled. So I had to get a visa, passport. Six weeks later, I'm on a plane to Africa, and uh, I landed, and my whole world changed. So now all my vacation time and all my energy and all my extra resources are spent helping people in a little refugee camp in Ghana. There's 82,000 people that live on 126 acres, and we've just spent three years getting water into the camp. And a couple of months ago, we were successful in getting water flowing into the camp. Fantastic. So that was quite the endeavor. And Winifred is married. She's pregnant. All three kids are in school. The oldest is going to college next year. Um, they have their own home now. She's actually, we sent her to school to become a hairdresser, and she did very well. And uh, now she travels up and down the coastline uh, bartering goods. So she will purchase things in Ghana and take them to little remote villages and sell them. She's like a micro-business, micro-enterprise and supporting herself and the family. Wow. Good for you. I mean, God is certainly using this Delilah influence for him as opposed to just just for you and your little world yeah it works a lot better when i (laughs) surrender when i surrender and let him use me the way he wants (laughs) well you have come a long way from the the voice of the oregon dunes k-d-u-n-a-m reed sport oregon 500 watts of crystal clear am power baby we were the voice of the oregon dunes (laughs) how old were you Fourteen. My goodness. Fourteen when I was first on the air, and I've loved every minute of it since. And now your show is heard on more than 200 stations. I'm just here in the Toronto sort of Golden Horseshoe area, 97.3 Easy Rock, uh, 93.1 FM, 102.9 K-Lite. I'm um, sorry, here we call it FM, okay? Oh, well, they make me say it, FM. Yeah, well, they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And now there's there's a rumor that a station in Florida has you on 24 hours a day. That's not right. No, they don't. I go from six in the at, six in the evening until six in the morning. That's it's insane. And did Oprah interview you? Oprah did not interview me. Oprah sent a team of people out to my house, and they spent a week here. And uh, what, kept just living on me, living there, hanging living out with the here, hanging out with me and the kids. Is this on the farm? The uh, on the farm with the horses and the goats and, and the, the dogs and the thirty and the baby thirty baby chicks. Mm-hmm. And and why? Do, well, I don't understand. They were like sussing you out to see if you were going to be a guest, and then they decided no. Or like, did you get well, rejected no. by what, Oprah? What Oprah has figured out is um, that she. I mean, she's she's the queen. She's the best, and so now she's birthing or creating new entities like Rachel Ray, like Doctor Phil. Right. And. Um, they wanted to see if there was a there there with the Delilah show, and at the end of it, I said, mm, "No thanks. I kind of like my anonymity. I can go into Goodwill and schlep around with you know my hair in a ponytail and my baggy jeans on, and hmm. I don't see my face on the cover of magazines saying, you know, 
all the horrible things yeah. they say about people on the cover of magazines. Yeah. I like it. doing the research for you. I tried to find dirt. Oh, I can give you plenty of dirt, baby. But, I, you know, if I'm the one giving it out, I don't care. It's when they put it on the cover of magazines and then they exaggerate it by ten times. Yeah. Although, with my stuff, I don't know how you could exaggerate it. It's already way out there. Ma- yeah. Madonna, Bette Midler, Chicago, Earth, Wind & Fire, Winona, John Cicada, Leanne Rimes. Josh Groban, Shania Twain, Barbara Streisand, Mariah Carey, Elton John, Donnie Osmond. Michael Bublé. <sighs> mm, my favorite my favorite Canadian. Give me one highlight. One celebrity highlight. Well, uh, Rod Stewart told me one time that I shouldn't get my panties in a in a knot. <laughs> wow. Don't hear that every day, do you? Dur- during an interview, I was like, wow. Um, Michael Bublé offered to have his grandpa come to my house and install a hot tub for me. Because <laughs> his grandpa is a plumber. Right. And so I was telling him about this funky old farmhouse that I have and how I saved all the old appliances so I actually have the old original tub in the house. And he's like, why would you do that instead of put a nice clean one in? <laughs> I said, you know, for history, for, you know, the era and everything. He's like, listen... I'll send my grandpa out. I'll come out with him, and we'll install a hot tub for you. I'm like, Michael Bublé in a hot tub. Oh, that's a really, really sinful thought. <laughs> He's oh. a sweet, sweet kid. Um, Josh Groban, amazingly sweet boy. Is he? Just, I've known him since he was 17. He is as nice and as kind and as down-to-earth <clears throat> as you can get. Speaking of, of uh, Josh Groban, can we just do a little uh, little moment here with, with Delilah? Love songs with Delilah. Can we just do a little something here? A little something. Just do sure. a little something. Here we go. All right, you ready? I am down, and oh, my soul so weary. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Late at night, love songs with Drew. We've got the woman on the phone who has the greatest advice for all relationships, and anybody with a with a pulse needs to speak with this woman, Delilah. Delilah, thank you for joining us. Uh, I have a question for you. My wife and I went to a Focus on the Family couples meeting last night, and they had us face each other and and and, and discuss deep and meaningful things, stare into each other's eyes and hold each other's hands. And my wife and I laughed the entire evening. Does that mean we're an unhealthy couple? <laughs> How many years have you and your wife been married, Drew? We've been married. 20? We've been married for almost twenty years, Delilah. Okay, so I'd say you're pretty darn healthy, honey. Are we? Yeah. We, if you can if you can make it 20 years and still laugh when you're holding each other's hands, I'd say you're doing just all right. A final, maybe some words of advice for my wife and I just to keep those flames going. Red. Red? Red. The type of wine or the type of oh, clothing? No, no, no. The, the outfit she should be wearing at least once. Oh, you're minute. killing me. You're killing me here. Okay, hold on. We're not, I'm, not, I'm stopping the music. That's it. You can't put those thoughts in my head in the middle of a show. Why not? You'll have fun when you go home after the show. <sighs> See, here's something, Drew, that I think Christians need to talk about more. What's that, sex? It's supposed to be fun. Hmm. God created it for fun. Go enjoy your spouse. <laughs> Amen, sister. True? I, re- I really hope my wife's listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, why is it why is it that you know what what cracks me up? It doesn't crack me up. It actually really ticks me off. Is I have people that will stand and be so judgmental about somebody because of their sexual orientation or their sexual past or whatever. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's like they cho- they choose that one three letter word, and that is the focus of all judgment and condemnation. How about lying, stealing, cheating, gossiping, being in a grumpy mood? Those are all sins. Mm. Not praising God every day for his blessings, not appreciating the blue of the sky or the fluffy white clouds, not praying when you need rain, not praying when you need less rain. Those are all sins. Mm. God tells us we are to depend upon him for our daily bread. Yeah, the uh, the Jesus scene likes riding that two-issue horse, doesn't it? Gaze and abortion, gaze and abortion, gaze and abortion. That's getting a little old with me, anyway. How about this? How about they say, instead of gaze and abortion, let's go adopt the children? There's an idea. Wait a second. There are thousands of children that weren't aborted, but they don't have forever families. Until every one of those children is adopted into a forever family and loved and parented caressed and cared for i don't want to hear a word about abortion bars even if forged of braided gold are still bars and being locked inside is death to the soul god came to set us free not build a prison and expect those with faith to file in structure form and commitment keep us knit together but only if they enhance the bonds of love not serve as a substitute When rules and religious reasons replace love, grace, and passion, another prison cell is filled. Well written. Time to go. When did you write that? Mm, Last year sometime. I I have so many friends that have been so horrifically abused by people who call themselves religious. Hmm. By institutions, whether it's marriage... So many people are forced or are made to feel like they have to stay in hurtful relationships because God hates divorce. Well, guess what? God hates people being abused, too. He never wanted us or expected us to stay in a dead-end relationship with somebody that hurts you physically or emotionally, sexually or spiritually. And yet, you know, the church will scream and holler if you get a divorce. I don't see him screaming and hollering when women are put in shelters because they've just been beaten by their husband, the deacon. Easily one of the most interesting and eclectic and diverse and complicated guests I've ever had on the show. (laughs) But I have a lot of fun. Oh, if I get a bowling ball in the mail. If you get a bowling ball in the mail, blame Donna. (laughs) I hear she's got a few extra. And if an alligator shows up at your office. I'm okay with that. I lived in Australia for five years, although they were crocodiles there, I guess. But anyway, Delilah, thank you for for what you do. I I know that millions, well, an estimated 7 million listeners. I mean, I have read some of the the comments from listeners. It sounds like you're saving lives doing what you do. Well, uh, I heard one time Mother Teresa said, and I don't know if this is true, but I heard her that she said that, She wanted to be the pencil with which God wrote his love letter to the world. Hmm. And I just smiled inward and I said, I want to be the voice that he uses to speak his words of love to the world. Because he loves us so 
passionately and completely and deeply and desperately, and so few people know that. Hmm. They think we've got to be good enough. We'll never be good enough. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Newsflash, if we could be good enough, he wouldn't have had to suffer and die. Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. RadioDelilah.com is the website. RadioDelilah.com. you got to check it out. you got to visit. There is enough stuff in your website to keep people busy for, for quite a while. And connected and loved, actually. You have quite a community thing happening there. So once again, um, thanks. Thanks for doing what you do. I appreciate Thank it, Delilah. You. God bless you, bless you, bless you, and all that you do. You take care. All right. Go be, go be a mom, will you? Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that is... Uh, that's a unique woman. I was warned. Amazing. This has been an inspirational day. It has been. I haven't seen you like this before. I know. You're very inspired. You're being quite thoughtful and reflective. It's good. I'm getting a rash. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I've thoroughly destroyed all programming and formatting on this show. I don't, I don't know whether we'll have time to get into another topic. We might just go into useless television trivia. Oh, that might be fun. Should we lighten it's up a little bit? It's been kind of heavy. It's been heavy. I mean, it's been good. It's yeah. Heavy. I think we'll bump over our, our topics to next week. Sure. And we'll come back with Melinda and a wee bit of fun here on the Drew Marshall right. Show. And then Carrie Pomeroli will finish off with the young lady. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey there, Delilah, you be good and don't you miss me. Two more years and you'll be done with school and I'll be making history. Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca. No, it's all because of you. We can do whatever we want to. Hi, this is Amy Grant. And I'm Drew Marshall. Sponsoring a child through compassion can change the life of the child and the sponsor. I know because it happened to me. It doesn't take much to sponsor a child. Along the way, you'll discover the joy of demonstrating God's love. I know I did. I'm asking for you to visit my website today, drewmarshall.ca, and find out how you can become a compassion sponsor. Just click on the compassion banner on the left side of the page. This will take you to my personal compassion webpage where you'll see before you 12 children from various countries that need you to sponsor them. They need you to write to them now. They need you to reach out to them now. And if for some reason you aren't led to sponsor one of those 12 children, just refresh the page and another 12 new children will appear. And the amazing thing is that you can refresh that page time and time again and 12 more children will come up each time because compassion is doing their job, finding those children that need us the most. So please stop waiting for that other person. That one child needs you. DrewMarshall.ca Please, sponsor a child with compassion today.